You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. This episode is a highlight clip from this week's full episode. To listen in on the complete conversation, see the show notes for the link to the complete show. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate every bit of your support. I'm Morgan McKittrick, your producer, and this is Decidedly. What do you think is the the key other than writing it down? Because writing it down and speaking out your values isn't even enough. Like in the example that you're sharing, that's not enough. And that's not to pick on you. I've done the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of techniques you can use. So, you know, if I pull from my own story, some of them are in play, uh, probably not all of them. Uh, but I do think writing down your values and goals is a useful exercise. But to that point, like writing stuff down is not enough. Uh, I often talk about having conviction. And so conviction is, uh, is if you kind of look at the definition of that, it's actually like having deeply held beliefs and demonstrating it. And so I think that this idea of conviction is a really beautiful thing because it's not just I believe in mm-hmm. something. Conviction is actually demonstrating your beliefs in the world, right? Like that's actually what conviction is. So it goes kind of one step further. I also think having what I'll just call an accountability partner is super important in life. And that can be your spouse in some cases. Uh, It could be a coach in other cases. It could be team members in some world. Um, But I do think, you know, who is going to hold you accountable to the things that you say you're going to do is really important. It's hard for people to self-police themselves. That's just behaviorally, right? It's really hard. It's just like, we can't spell check ourselves well <laughs> if we write something. We read it how we thought we wrote it. We all think we're above average drivers. We're all above average intelligence, yeah. right? Like we don't check ourselves well. So who is that person? Do you have a coach? Do you have a mentor? Um, do you do 360 reviews with the people you work with? So you get feedback from them. And, you know, in the family world, can your spouse, can your, you know, sometimes maybe it's your parents, but who's going to kind of hold you accountable in that world too? And, uh, you know, I think to some degree, my wife helps hold me accountable, um, you know, in, in that world. But so does my mom, my sisters. I feel like I have a great support network um, that I get to rely on. I didn't have to rebuild that. But for some people, they don't have that network. So I do challenge people sometimes, like, what's your community then? Like, and not the accidental community, but your purposeful community. So do you need friends and colleagues and people that hold you accountable to those values that you say you're going to have in life? I think when when we look at retirement, and I do a lot of work in that area in Sanger as well, I, I think one of the things that people miss when they move into retirement is that loss of community. They mm-hmm. they take it for granted, the people they work for, that meaning and that sense of purpose and meaningful work. And then when they leave that, they seem to to really be lost without that community of fellow travelers, so to speak. Yeah, and that's uh, that term I, I used once already is accidental communities um, versus purposeful communities. It's uh, I don't I don't think I made it up, but I haven't seen it used in those terms much around retirement. But most of our lives, we end up in uh, what I kind of say is accidental communities. Right, we're born into our family. It's accidental in the sense like we didn't pick that. Right, like I didn't right. choose to be born into my family. Um, now. You know, when you get married and have kids, that's a purposeful community. Um, but a lot of times, like work, you end up in this community, and yeah, maybe you pick the job, but the people you end up friends with at work and communicate with 
probably a little bit accidental. It's like who you ran into on your first day and like who sat one cube over from you. And like that becomes part of your community, who your boss hired to sit next to you. Uh, you know, there's, and we, we rely on a lot of those. You get to retirement and a lot of those accidental communities can disappear. And so then the challenge is like, what are you going to make as your purposeful communities? Are you, and what role are you going to play in those communities, right? Are you going to, you know, give back to your church and, and be a driver of activity in communities? Or are you going to be a participant? Um, you know, even in your family, what role are you going to play when you retire? And for business owners, that can shift, right? Like all of a sudden you have more time. You might play a different role in your family organization than you did pre-retirement. And so I do think it requires a shift from almost like this accidental community world to a purposeful community world, because a lot of the accidental ones kind of disappear. Not all of them, but a lot of them can at least alter at that point when we get to retirement. I like the phrase that you used, the family organization, um, because the, your role in that organization is is important and you can be purposeful about it. In some ways, we are... Um, we step into roles that we were not necessarily given, right? So you're a you're a husband, not necessarily because you chose that unique role off Indeed. Uh, you're you're a husband because you just are a husband, right? Um, but that that has rec- job requirements that are that are yeah. that come standard with the role. And the way that you fill the role is something that you can choose, and how committed you can be to the role is something that you can choose and in communion with your wife can design. And I don't think a lot of us do that for the roles that we play within our families. We, we, or even like our friend groups or our communities, like you say, you play a role in your community um, that you might not be conscious of. We do it for work, especially business owners. We're really conscious of the role, whether it's, you know, I'm a leader or I need to step back and have less of a role so my business can run itself. We're really aware of the role that we're playing and we're designing roles for other people who work for us in our company. And then we go to our family and we're just dad, wife, sister, brother, father, and we accept the standard job requirements of that role without a lot of conviction like you were talking about. Yeah. And actually, uh, this is not really my area of expertise, but it's one that I, I think we all have experience on is you know, you talk about families and spouses is actually like talking through roles. To your point, a lot of spouses just kind of take on roles, right? Like you're, you know, I'm a husband and like, I just take on some husband-esque duties. Yeah. Maybe, didn't, like, maybe sit- it's because dad did that for you in your family. Yeah. Or, yeah. or you see on TV that husbands do it. Like it, it can come from anywhere if it's not coming from you. Yeah. And it's not always the case that both spouses wanted those roles, right? Um, it's an interesting thing, right? Like, um, and sometimes they they change. Like I do, like I love cooking. So like I've taken that one on and like we do discuss it now, but like, you know, I don't think at first I really like sat down and said like, I'm going to do all the cooking. It's just like, I just kept doing all the cooking because I liked cooking. But, you know, right. it was probably worth a good conversation of like, do we want to share in this one? So, so um, I, I think our, our roles change a lot, you know, when we sell a business, get, you know, get married, retire. Have you noticed that there are mistakes people make in their thinking or their frameworks, mindsets when they move into that phase, into retirement, for example? Yeah. So uh, ones that you see of behavioral changes actually 
there are, uh, I'll, I'll talk about both personal and then family dynamic ones. We kind of touched on this one earlier. So if you actually look at the data around uh, p- happiness in retirement, what you see is retirees are actually happier than the general population on average. One of the problems with averages is though, right, it, it's not telling you a totally clear picture. Interesting thing is there are actually more people depressed in retirement that, that land in the depressed category than in the general population. So it's a very confusing thing. And the reason is you get a lot of people that get this positive move upward in retirement. And are, are you they saying there's, there's more of both, more people who are more happy and more people who are more depressed? Yes. So huh. if you think of an average, right? as people, like you get more people moving up the happiness spectrum. So the average actually moves up. The average of the whole population is happier, but you actually get people that shift downward and become more unhappy. So you don't have a lot of people that kind of just sit in the middle. You get people that become happier and you get people that become less happy. And when they look at the group that becomes uh, more depressed, it's mostly due to that loss of meaning and community that all of a sudden, their work is gone, their natural community is gone, and they don't find a way to replace that. And that's a really big challenge. Uh, One of the exercises I've had people do before when they're looking at retirement is actually fill out a calendar and write down the times of what you're going to do in a day once you retire. And you'll actually find it becomes like kind of challenging (laughs) because you're like, you've got nine hours open and you're like, well, I've got like three hours of stuff I can write down. And it forces people to visualize it. And there's some research by a, a, a individual at a UCLA called Hal Hirschfield, who's done a lot of work on the visualization of your future and how it creates this connectedness between you today and that future. And it has a lot of really positive behavioral elements to it. Um, he actually has a new book out. I forget the name of it, but uh, maybe later on you guys can drop it in the show notes. But um, he's a fantastic researcher. And, you know, that's actually a really good thing to do is, you know, what is this going to look like? Write it down, visualize it. Um, He even goes so far to say, like, put pictures to those things. It's it helps our brain actually like tie it in a little bit better. Um, Most of us probably would agree we're somewhat visual learners. We process visual stuff a lot better than we process audio um, in general. So but uh, the other one I'll just hit real quick is, you know, we you mentioned this like family dynamics change when one person might retire Um, and the other person was already working in the home or retired and having conversations of what life is going to look like is really important. I see it all the time, two vastly different views of what retirement is going to be like. And actually when you, when you kind of look at it, you do get one couple sometime that's a lot less happy than the other one because they haven't found a balance of what life looks like at that point together. And I think that's super important as your world changes tremendously when you retire in a lot of cases. But make sure that you understand, like, what are the job duties at home and in the relationship yeah. that you're both going to take on? In some ways, Jamie, I, I don't know that I, I don't have any data to support this, but I'll tell you anecdotally what I see as an advisor. The joy of owning a business and building a business is building. It's not once you get it to its sellable, you know, packaged up mm-hmm. piece. It's building it that's fun. Um And that's the case with anything, anything that we work toward, the journey is what's enjoyable, not reaching the mountaintop. And so particularly for business owners, in my experience, when I see someone who's spent his or her whole life building something in a way that's above and beyond his peers, 
sells it, he's done. He has nothing left to build because he's built a perfect retirement already. Even if he's done the work to say, this is going to be my, how I get my social connectivity. My financial life is going to be perfectly attuned. Um, this is how my marriage is going to work. This is what we're going to do together. We're going to travel on this and that. When they've already built it and they arrive at retirement or post-exit from their business and it, retirement's built for them, there there's less happiness than the families that I see where they go, okay, now that I've built my business and I'm done with my business, I'm moving into this phase where I'm going to build out my perfect retirement. Now, of course, there are things that you've got to already have the resources for. You've got to have the money to build the perfect retirement, right? You can't hope oh, I'm going to sell my business and the money's going to come later magically. But it's like a family that I'm thinking of, as you say this, a couple that live in Virginia, they sold their business. A few years later, he, he retires uh, from work entirely. And his job now is, hey, I'm going to build this beautiful home. And that's occupying his like, you know, creative energy. It's giving him a purpose, a reason to wake up and go, okay, I'm going to build this perfect home. And the joy of it and why it's kind of like taking him a while is because he, he kind of notices he once, didn't I, the journey to yeah, once I build this home, <laughs> what am I going to do next? Thanks for making the great decision to listen in to this week's episode highlight. If you want more of what you just heard, see the show notes for the full episode. As always, for the latest decision-making tips, find us on decidedlypodcast.com or on Instagram at decidedlypodcast. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter from the link in the show notes. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review as well. We read all of your comments, so if you learned some decision-making tips today, let us know. Until next time, this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.